Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on and give. Honor do honor is due. All right. Give. Honor do honor is due. Yeah. Give. Honor to honor is due. Come on, give. The honor to honor is due. Woo! Yeah. Uh-uh, don't get me started. Hallelujah. I'm just excited to do praise and worship and just bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Bless the Lord with me. Come on and bless the Lord with me. Come on and bless the Lord with me. Come on and bless. The Lord with Can me. Can we do it again? Come on and bless, bless the Lord with me. I dare you, I dare you to bless. Bless the Lord with me. Come on and bless. Come on and bless, bless the Lord with me. Bless the Lord with me. Come on, sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and clap. Come on and clap your hands with me. I dare you to put them together. Clap your hands with me. Come on and clap those hands. Clap your hands with me. Come on and clap. Come on and clap your hands with me. Come on, sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whoa. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands on it right there. Woo. Yeah. He's hallelujah. a worthy, he's a worthy. Hallelujah. Worthy in this place. Hallelujah. Come on and shout, come on and shout. Before the Lord, you ought to shout before the Lord. Open up and shout before the Lord. Shout before the Lord. Come on, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and dance, come on and dance before the Lord. Dance before the Lord. Come on, pick them up. Dance come on, before pull them up. the Lord. Oh, dance. Dance before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 We bless your holy name in this place, Jesus. You worthy, you worthy. We just thank you right now, God, for who you are in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, you're worthy, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. 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 We just worship you right now, oh God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you for who you are, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name. We just worship you in this place right now. Can we just go before him right now and worship? Can we just thank him? For who he is in worship. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We just want to thank you. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. opportunity to give you still have an opportunity to do so we're still in worship stretch forth for your hand as we bless these gifts hallelujah father we thank you right now for this offering that which it was taken up for and bless those that had to give and bless those that didn't have to give that they may be able to give on the next appointed time in the mighty name of jesus we thank you for it in jesus name amen and amen hallelujah and we thank you Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you in this place. I just want to so good to us. He's been so good. Been so Hallelujah. Good. Oh, you've been so Hallelujah. good. You've been so Put your hands together and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 How many is ready for the word of God? Hallelujah. For it's the word of God that will sustain us and keep us in these days and time. Hallelujah. It's the word of God that will keep us. We ask that you would stand to your feet if you can and you will. As our pastor comes forth, our in the person of Bishop Roy J. Lysat. 
As we receive the word, give the Lord a hand praise with a hearty amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Magnify, magnify, magnify. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard it said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Are there any? Glad folks in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Truly, we thank the Lord for each and every one of you. We're excited about what God is doing in our midst. We're looking forward to great and mighty things. Amen. Hallelujah. We salute our praise team, our musicians, as we're continuing to move forward in the things of Christ. Hallelujah. We're excited today. Um, got word this morning that a young man has decided to respond to the call on his life, and he will be uh, appointed as a deacon in the house of God at the conclusion of the service today. So we're excited about that. And we ask that you stay and be a witness to what God is doing. Amen? Hallelujah. Before growth, things have to be in place. Hallelujah. So we are endeavoring to do just that. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're excited about that. We're looking forward to that. And that will happen right at the conclusion of the sermon today. I also want to, just by way of announcement, uh, remind you that October the 7th and the 8th, the GEFI, Greater Emmanuel Fellowship International Women's Conference, uh, will be held here at Grace and Mercy Fellowship right. Center. There'll be two services on the 7th and two services on the 8th, 12 p.m. service and a 7 p.m. service, both nights. I believe that's a Thursday and a Friday. Um, so we're excited about what God is doing. We encourage you to come out. They have some very dynamic and powerful women uh, that will be bringing the word of God. Um, we believe praise and worship will be what it always is. Um, and we're just looking to hear a testimony of how God moved in the midst of the women. Amen? So if you have nothing to do, October 7th and 8th, come on out. If you have something to do, change your plans and come on out and let's support what God is doing. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So we're excited about that, and um, we're still uh, excited about the um, outreach that we did, um, was that two weeks ago? The July, yeah, July 31st, and the impact that we have, but we don't want to rest on our laurels, and we don't want to wait till next year to get going again. Amen? So I encourage you to put your thinking caps on, how best we can meet the needs of the community in which God has planted us. Amen? Amen? Start getting your ideas together. Start making your contacts now. Start, you know, putting that seed out there so that by the time we really need to be full steam ahead, we're already um, ahead of the gate. Amen? So please make sure that you get with First Lady and discuss your ideas and how 
uh, you might be able to uh, help and she will help to coordinate and I'm sure she will appoint some people to kind of just take as the steering committee goes forward um, and she'll just oversee it. But uh, we're thankful to God for whatever we are able to do next year. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that we should do bigger and better things as we continue to move. I believe that it's definitely possible because the Bible declares what? All things are possible to them that believe. You got to believe. You got to believe that we are capable or as they said when they went into the promised land, we are well able. Mm. Hallelujah. Maybe y'all will wake up here. I know it's a little bit earlier than normal when I get up. Praise team rushed through praise and worship like, like we had a time limit or the building was on fire, but hallelujah. We thank the Lord for that. Um, I also want to uh, encourage uh, you and those that are watching, if this ministry has been a blessing to you in any way, shape, or form, we ask that you, in the best way that you can, be a blessing to it. Hallelujah. We, like many ministries over the last uh, year, year and a half, have taken a financial hit, and it still requires money to uh, right. you know, keep the building going and to take care of the things that we have to take care of here. And we want to be a continued blessing, but we need your help. So uh, for those of you that have tuned in and that tune in regularly, or if the Lord impresses upon you and this is your first time tuning in and you want to be a blessing, please go to our website which is graceandmercyfc.com. Um, there's a PayPal link there where you can um, sow a seed of financial increase into this land, and I believe that God will bless whatever you are able to do. I don't often ask, but we are in a, a place where we are in need, and we want to, again, continue to be a blessing while at the same time meeting the responsibilities of this ministry. So we encourage you and ask you to please do what you can online. And for those that are here in the house, I ask that you continue to do what you can to be a blessing to the house of God um, and reach out to our brothers and sisters who still have not returned from COVID. Hallelujah. I know that they're talking about the ramping up of uh, the Delta variant and before long there'll be an Echo variant and there'll be a Foxtrot variant and there'll be all these different variants. Hallelujah. But I am dependent upon the variant called Jesus. Hallelujah. Who I believe is able to keep us. Hallelujah. I believe that he is able to keep us. Hallelujah. So I encourage you, reach out to your brothers and sisters who are absent. Let them know what is happening here, uh, how the spirit of the Lord is in our midst. And if you believe that you're being fed, let them know you're getting good meal here. Hallelujah. So you want to encourage them to come out and break bread with you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me in the Word of God uh, to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse. Last week we kind of set the roadmap or um, put the frame in place for what we will um, hopefully conclude today, which comes under the title, Don't Let Your Thoughts Betray You. And we talked about um, this in depth. We, I believe that last week we set a very good picture, but we didn't really go into what you should be thinking about. We talked about what we normally and do think about, but 
The Bible tells us what we should think about, and I want to leave that with you today so that as you go into the remainder of life, not just this week, not just this day, but the remainder of life, you know how to focus your thoughts so that your thoughts will not betray you. The word reads in Philippians, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. As you take your seat, look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, don't let your thoughts betray you. How you allow yourself to think about anything, doesn't matter what it is, how you allow yourself to think about anything and everything, including people in life, will directly connect you to whether you can be at peace or not with those things or those people. There is an ability that God has given to every believer that gives you access into the peace that he promises, the peace that does what? Surpasses all understanding is what his word declares. And Paul gives us six distinct, now I want you to understand this, they're not just ideas, but they're ideas of disciplining or focusing your thought life. Hallelujah. Too often our thought life has just kind of been what it is. It's, it's like many of us, you know, it's, it's full of ADHD. It's all over the place all at the same time. Hallelujah. And the word is trying to get us to a place where we focus our thought. We focus our thought life. Because if you don't, your thought life will drive you bananas. And if you're not careful it will drive you to kill yourself. Because sometimes your thought life will tell you that it's better for you to not be here than it is to be here. It's better for you to not wake up than it is to wake up. Amen. It's better for you to go on a prolonged vacation. Hallelujah. But Paul talks to us and he gives us uh, some disciplines or some focused thought instructions. And the very first thing that he talks about in this text is the word true. Now, this is, this is a powerful word. The word true is a powerful word. It might, it, it might be one of the most powerful words in the human language. And if you notice, over the last five to ten years, there's been an attack on truth. And truth has now become individualistic. And then we get the phrase, my truth, or your truth. But we understand then that if it's my truth and not your truth, then by definition, is it really true? Because truth stands on its own. Truth does not need something else to quantify it or to qualify it or to validate it. Amen. When we say, this is my truth, we then become the validator of whatever that truth is. 
So then the validation is inherent to our inability to be perfect. So then our truth, my truth then is an imperfect truth. And my truth may not be your truth, which then weakens the power of my truth. Amen? It goes the same for each and every one of us. But the idea, this uh, strategy of the enemy against truth itself is purposeful because then now everybody can run around and just say what is true. But when we look at what real truth is, real truth, real truth as described in the Bible comes from a Greek word, alethe. And the first thing you have to understand that God wants us to do in the disciplining of our thought life is to guide our thoughts by what is true. So then the question becomes then, what is true? What is it? that is in existence, that does not need anything else to qualify it, and whether you believe it or not is still true in and of itself. Well, there's only one thing in existence that fits that definition, and that is the Word of God. The Word of God is true. The Word of God is the written um, written depiction of what is true, and that is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth. It doesn't deny the existence of other truths, but he is the truth. So then if I'm going to adopt the truth or the word of God, which is the written form of what is true into my thinking, I have to understand then what the word of God declares about any and everything that I go through. Because there are other truths that become sub-truth to the truth. This is factual. However, it is not the final result of what is actually true. I'll give you an example. So you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you that you're sick, gives you some diagnosis, some prognosis of uh, the extent of your existence based upon the condition in your body. And because the doctors use the evidence that they find through the testing that they develop, um, and, and it points to whatever this deficiency is or wh- whatever this virus is or whatever um, you know, you know, the issue is in your body, then that becomes a truth. It is a truth. You are sick. You, you have this condition, whether it's uh, diabetes or uh, cancer or high blood pressure or what have you. Now, we know, we know that a truth can be changed by the truth. I want you to follow this train of thinking because this is why we have to discipline our minds in what the Word of God declares is the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. So, you know that if, no, no one is born with high blood pressure. You may be born with a... a predisposition to high blood pressure, um, 
whether it's culturally or uh, you know, heretically or what have you. However, when you're born, your, your blood pressure is what it's supposed to be. Amen? For the most part. There are, I mean, obviously, um, issues that do arise. Uh, but for the, for the most part, the generality is, is that when you're born, your blood pressure is what it's supposed to be. Through the course of your life, whether it be a heretical thing or it is a lifestyle thing, look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, your lifestyle has something to do with things that are true in your life. I, I, you know, I, don't want, I don't want to take the opportunity to miss that because that's really important. Your lifestyle plays a role in some of the things that you're dealing with that, that, that maybe should not have had to be true, but you have made them true because that's the way you live. However, uh, you, you get to this place where now you have gone to the doctor and the doctor has determined that the condition you're dealing with is high blood pressure. So that is a truth. They put a, a cuff on you and they test, test you and, and it's above, you know, whatever. It's in hypertension or, you know, above hypertension or whatever the, the actual numeric numbers are. There is still something that you can do to change that. Because you can change your lifestyle. What do what most doctors tell you when, if you're diagnosed with high blood pressure, what's the first thing that they go after? Your, your weight, which is connected to your diet. The first thing that most doctors will tell you besides, depending on what kind of doctor you have, like my wife and I tease each other all the time, our doctor, um, you know, you go to our doctor and our doctor's got a pill for everything. It's like, that's just part of what he's going, getting ready to tell you. Well, I got a pill for that, and you need to take this, and you need to do these other things. But you can go to some doctors that will tell you, well, I don't want to put you on medicine. Let's just try to change your habits. Okay? So now, you got to remember, truth is something that stands on its own that does not need validation. A truth needs validation. So in me, the high blood pressure needs validation, which is my lifestyle. But I can change the validation, which then changes what's true. Now, this is what I can do. I can change my diet. And if I change my diet and exercise, I'm going to most likely lose weight. And if I lose weight, it's going to have a, a dramatic effect upon my uh, blood pressure. My blood pressure is going to come back down to the normal range. And if I stay there, I won't have high blood pressure anymore. So what was true so many days ago is now no longer true today. And it was changed by something that I did. And I'm limited in what I can do. But we serve a God that's not limited in any way, shape, or form. So if I can change a truth in my life, how much greater can God change a truth in our life? So when we begin to discipline our thinking about a thing or a truth with what is true, that which requires no validation outside of itself. And we go to the word of God in those conditions in the body, like cancer, there's really nothing you can do about it. You can go to the doctors, you can go through all those different treatments and still 
have cancer and die. But God is able to deliver. Because he said, I am the God. So what, what is his truth? The doctor says you have cancer, incurable. But what does God say? I am the God that healeth thee. So now I can either accept a truth or accept the truth. Period. What do you hear doctors say often when it comes to people who are um, on their deathbed? And how long they are there and, and whether or not they can recover. We can tell they are fighting for their life. Versus the people who have just given in to whatever the condition is. You see, we as the people of God have an ability to connect ourselves to something that is so true that every other truth dwarfs in its presence. Every other truth loses its impact if you discipline your mind according to what God declares is true. You see, this Greek word, alethe, it communicates what is true, which is unconcealed as opposed to just what is apparent. To just what is apparent. The truth of the word of God uncovers everything connected to its truth, period. We believe that it is impossible for God to fail. This is why miracles happen. This is why I declare if Christ live in you, then you are a walking miracle waiting to happen. You see, we keep, we keep thinking that, you know, Everything's supposed to happen according to the priest or to the, to the pastor of the church. However, there's not a near one of you in here that is a believer that can't walk into a hospital and change the course of everything that's going on in that hospital. Amen. The Bible declares that when the disciples were going into a city, they didn't even have to touch folk. Their shadow, just the mere passing of their shadow. Why? Why is that? Because they believed in the truth that God was going to work miracles through them. How many of you believe that God is waiting to work a miracle through you? And if God is waiting to work a miracle, then what's he waiting for? He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to go craft your thought life into the place that it is aligned with the truth of the word of God and then be in the place to be used by him. God cannot use you if you are sitting on your couch refusing to leave your house because you are afraid of what the world declares is happening. They are the ones in fear. Because the Bible tells me God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. What's a sound mind? A sound mind is a mind that is framed by truth. That's what a sound mind is. A sound mind is a mind that is framed by truth. Not your truth, not my truth. 
not everybody else's truth, but only that which is true. You see, with my truth, there really is no authenticity to it. But the truth of the word of God is covered in authenticity because he is the author. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is life everlasting. He is the breath that is in my lungs. This is what is true. The next thing that that Paul gives us a discipline about is honesty. Honesty. Hmm. Hmm. Well, this comes from another Greek word, semno. And this relates to things that are worthy of honor or things worthy of reverence as opposed to flippancy that lacks seriousness. You see, semna has to do with conduct as well as character. So what Paul is trying to get us to understand is that the uh, honest, think about things that are honest. In other words, the honest connects back to the authenticity of that which is true, which then determines your behavior or your character in any given crisis. I am honest in the fact that I believe God is able to keep me. There are many of us that really struggle with that, yet when we really need something, we really need to go do something, we have no problem going to do it. Even if we, you know, put ourselves in our class four chem suit, have our faces covered, our hands covered, our feet covered, we've got our bodies covered, we got duct tape wrapped all around us. Hallelujah, we're walking around looking like spacemen. But we'll, we'll do what we have to do, except when it means believing on something that the Word of God declares. We struggle with the Word of God because we struggle with the people of God. We keep thinking that the people of God are the example of the truth of God. When in fact, that is the farthest thing from the truth. The people of God do not validate God, nor do they validate what God has declared. If you govern your peace based upon what you see of the people of God, you will be crazy. Because sometimes this may come as a shock to you. Sometimes we don't act right. Sometimes some of us, none of y'all in here, but some of us, we, we are resisting growth. We're like the little babies that don't want to learn how to go potty. It's much easier to just do it in my diaper. And we've got 20-year-old babies running around with diapers 
Because they refuse to grow. They're not disciplining their thought life by that which is true and that which is honest. Because when you govern your life by the things which are true according to the word of God, it connects you to a character that develops your integrity that allows you to function honestly in the things of God. We're getting there. We're not all there. The Bible tells us we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, there should be a process of growth. Some things that we're working through so that we can become who God has called us to be. So we can do what God has called us to do. You know that there are people right now waiting for you to do what God has called you to do? That you are what God has anointed to bring deliverance or healing or peace uh, into their life? A word that God has planted in you that because you're mad at so-and-so, you won't speak to them? Now you can't release something that's going to deliver them that would, in truth, Change your whole uh, perception of the person you are refusing to talk to. I often find God's got humor. God got jokes. God got jokes. What, what do I mean? Well, he always trying to hook you up with somebody you always say you can't stand. And he'll put their deliverance in your mouth and your deliverance in their mouth. But sometimes we are so stubborn, we I just stay bound. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. Now, just comes from the Greek word dikaios. And this has to do with what is right. Now, this is going to shock you. According to God's standard, which is spelled out in Scripture. It's not what you and I say is right. I don't know if you've noticed, but the morality of man has changed from generation to generation to generation. And there are those of us who came up under one moral standard that would look at the standard that is today, and we would say that it was not moral, while those of this generation would declare Well, it is moral. And the further we go, the closer we get to the return of Christ, the worse things are going to get. They're not going to get better. You see, this idea of the standard of God moves us away from its ethical and forensic moorings to relational position between God and his people. We are in relationship with God. But you have to understand, we're not acquaintances. We're not acquaintances with God. We are in relationship with God. We are intimate lovers with God. 
You see, God has taken his very seed and put that seed in us, even as a man puts his seed in his wife. You see, this action brings forth a pregnancy that will birth peace because we are eternally connected to him who is peace. You cannot find peace in the moors of the world. And the moors of the world will constantly change. The system of the world will constantly change. One of the scariest things I ever heard a preacher say was they have evolved in their thinking. Yeah, they evolved all right. They evolved from what was true to what is not. Because God's word doesn't change. There's no evolution in God's word. The same thing God said was true yesterday is true today. It will be true tomorrow. It'll be true after you've left this place. It'll be true after he's come back and taken the church with him. It'll be true throughout the entirety of the tribulation period. It'll be true at the final judgment of God when Jesus puts everything back in order. It'll be true in the thousand-year reign of Christ in the earth. It will be true into eternity because what God says will last. It doesn't go to the left or go to the right like we do. Hot one day, cold the next. I feel bad for my wife and actually for all women because you, you guys have to go through all these crazy things that men don't have to go through. My wife is a walking heater at times. And sometimes she's a walking blizzard. You can't get her hot enough. You can't get her cold enough. It's because of all that stuff that y'all have to deal with. Now, don't be mad at me. You could, you could have a conversation with Eve when you get to heaven to deal with all that. That's not a, that's not a woman-to-man issue. Amen. But she constantly changes. The condition in her body constantly changes. The amazing thing about God is it never changes. The Bible declares he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That's what is the truth. So God, if he were to change, would become a liar. If anything in the word of God were to change, the word of God would be a lie. And if Jesus is the word and the word is a lie then Jesus was, would be a lie. So since we know Jesus is not a lie, as a matter of fact, the Bible declares that he watches his word. He's looking at his word to ensure his word is always relevant. That's one of the, the most famous things that people will say now about the word of God is that it is no longer relevant to what is happening today. It's just an old book for an old time. When it is truly an old book, but it's for all time. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, 
Now, this comes from another Greek word, hagna, or hagno. And this re uh, relates to stainless, to things that encourage purity. So your thoughts have to be disciplined into only producing that which is pure. You see, it's not just an internal condition, but it's an external attitude that is demonstrated by your behavior and conduct in how you deal with your frustration. Jesus was talking and he talked about being angry and he connected anger to murder. Now, some of us would think that that would be a stretch, but he connects anger to murder. In fact, he was telling some of us, because our thought life is undisciplined, some of us are murderers when we're angry with our brothers and sisters. And we think things and we say things and we do things that are contradictory to the word of God. As a matter of fact, what does the word of God tell you to do concerning your enemies? This is, this is more than people that, don't, that you don't like. This is your enemy. He says, pray for them. Not, not that God would take them out. I'm praying, Lord. The wrong prayer. You pray that God would bless them that God would heal them, that God would deliver them, that God would protect them. When your thought life is pure, your conduct will be pure. And what is pure? Well, pure leads us right into the next thought, which is thinking about things that are lovely. Now, this comes from the Greek word uh, prosphalos, and, and this refers to things that incite true love, not erotic behavior. We have to understand that love and erotic things are not reflections of, them, of, of each other. They're two different things. And when, when the Bible is talking about things that are lovely, it's not talking about things that are erotic. It's talking about things which are agreeable and acceptable to God. These are the things that should fill your thoughts and your mind, things that are lovely, things that are acceptable, that are beautiful in the sight of God. So when you begin to discipline your thought life and you're working through uh, your own life here in the earth and dealing with people and dealing with crisis and dealing with conditions in the world system, if your thought life is guided by the principles that Paul is laying out here, you're pure, you're true, you're just in your thinking, many of us will look different than we look right now. Amen. We would treat each other different than the way we treat each other right now because we would love each other. And because we love each other, our engagement with each other would be different. Because our engagement is based upon a desire to be a blessing to each other. To be an encouragement to each other. If we thought, if we allowed our mind to uh, contemplate what we're getting ready to say 
and pause for the cause before we release what we're getting ready to say, many of us wouldn't have to deal with half the stuff we deal with that we talked ourselves into. Many of us have talked ourselves into trouble that if we'd have just taken our thought life, disciplined it by these principles, focused our thought life, guided our thought life by these principles, which then affects our conduct or our behavior, then the things that we say and the things that we do would be different. Then the world would not look at the church and say, the church looks just like us. The church should not look like the world. We should not act like the world. We should not think like the world. If, if the church is just a reflection of the world, you might as well just save your time coming on Sunday. You might as well just go ahead and enjoy the world. If there's nothing different here than what's in the world, then why bother? The church, we, who is the church? So then we should be different than our environment. As a matter of fact, we should be infectious. You know, there was a time when the world came against the church. They really wanted you to be quiet. Now, you don't really hear too much about that. Because we've compromised so that we can get along because we're really infatuated with the things of the world more so than we are the things of God. But if we discipline our thinking, it will change our behavior. If we discipline our thinking, it will change our attitude. If we discipline our thinking, it will change our peace. The sixth thing that he says is a good report. And that comes from the Greek word yophema. And this relates to things that are uh, attractive in character. It's a common ground uh, for these meanings, which attempts to positively describe attractive moral character. So what he's talking about is your fr- the framing of your thoughts should be based upon something that looks good to God. Now, the if here is an indicative mood if. And it comes from the Greek E-I. And in the Greek language, uh, it's often called a condition of the first class. So uh, it's translated since. So in other words, the attributes and, and many similar ones do exist and should be considered virtuous and worthy of praise. You're reflecting the very beauty of God in every engagement whether it's internal engagement or external engagement. You are reflecting the beauty of God. So when you think back over your life and you begin, and I often tell people you should should do a, a debrief of yourself every day and see where in the day you reflected the beauty of God versus reflecting the horror of your carnal state. And every day that should change. Every day you should be reflecting more and more the beauty of Christ and less and less the horror of your humanity. But when you are honest with yourself 
And you see throughout the day that you're reflecting more of the horror of who you said you used to be, you have to begin to question whether you used to be who you said you used to be or who you used to be is who you are right now. And just be honest with yourself. There's nothing wrong with being honest with you. I know that we're told to live a lie. That's why they make commercials like uh, be like Mike. Well, I don't want to be like Mike. But that's what they tell you. Be like Mike. Be like this one. Be like that one. They want you to be something other than yourself. No, be you. And then when you start being you, let you be a reflection of Jesus. And the more reflection you are of Christ, the more peace you're going to find in life. The easier it will be for you to deal with people. People won't get on your nerves. You won't be angry all the time. 60% 60% of our anger is connected to people. 60% of our anger is connected to people. You can immediately wipe out 60% of your anger if you stop dealing with people from your human condition and start dealing with people from your Christ position. I'm a firm believer that every relational engagement should start and end at forgiveness. I introduce myself to you. I engage you. I see you through the eyes of forgiveness. Why? Because that's how Jesus first saw me. He loved me, so he sees me not in my sin condition, but he sees me in my forgiven state. He saw me in my forgiven state before I even asked for forgiveness. Before I acknowledge that he is the way, truth, and life, he saw me in my forgiven state. So then, because he saw me in something that maybe I wasn't in that moment, he saw me prophetically, not pathetically. He saw me prophetically. I was able to engage him and become just what he saw me. We too often force people to act just like we say we see them. Hallelujah. But if we would engage them in the beauty of the love of God, you could not offend me because I've already forgiven you. Amen. Before it even Come on. Come now, I'm not saying that you can't hurt my feelings. That's right. You might hurt my feelings, but, be, but because I've already forgiven you for hurting my feelings... The deportment of my behavior connected to what you've done to me, the harm you've brought to me, has already been leveled by the love that I have. So I'm at peace. Even though my feelings may be hurt, I'm still at peace because I don't see you. I don't see you in your sin condition. I see you the same way Jesus saw me. And if I'm going to emulate Christ in my life, if I'm going to do the things that are true, that are just, that are uh, righteous, that are uh, holy, that are good report, if I'm going to do these things, if I'm going to craft my thinking that way, I have to then see life through the lens or the perception of not who I am in my human condition, but who I am in my saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost condition. Some of you ain't done nothing to me, and I already forgave you. 
You got forgiveness on the shelf. So then when something happens, I, I don't need to conjure it up because I'm trying to be a good Christian. It's already there. I'm already at peace with you. And because I'm at peace with you, I'm not angry with you. When you fail, I'm not angry with you. When you fail, I'm not waiting for the next failure. Because I see you through the delivering power of Christ. And this is what you know, God is, is trying to get us to understand. Philippians 4 and 9, and I'm, I'm almost done for today. Philippians 4 and 9 says this, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. That's a powerful word, do it. You know, some of us are just stuck on learned. I learned it. Yeah, I learned it. I learned it the hard way. And received and heard and seen in me do. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, just do it. You see, because there's a benefit to it. When you do these things that you have learned, received, heard, and seen Christ do, what happens? The God of peace shall be with you. And where the God of peace is, no turmoil can dwell. Where the God of peace is, suicide cannot come in. Where the God of peace is, attitude cannot come in. Where the God of peace is, anger cannot come in. Because I'm at peace. Now this is the last and perhaps most important condition of enjoying God's peace. And that is to practice peace. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor. Practice makes peace. You see, the world tell you practice makes perfect, but no, practice makes peace. Practice what you have heard and seen and learned and received. You see, the emphasis shifts from right thinking to right doing. How many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have known something was right to do but didn't do it? You knew it was the right thing to do. And, and not doing it didn't you know, necessarily bring harm or you know, cause buildings to fall. However, you could have really done something that changed somebody else's entire existence and you just chose yeah, I'm just going to sit on it. Yep. Yep, yep, that's a no good praise Jesus. Now watch this. What does the Bible tell us? To you that know to do good, but do it not, to you is sin. You see, you have to learn to shift, to transition from just thinking right to doing right. The process of correcting your thought 
is to correct your behavior. Now, the former verse 4 and 8, it enumerates you know, subjects of meditation. But this verse, the ninth verse, it encourages the course or the proper course of action which naturally follows or should follow right thinking. So if you take seriously the conditions that Paul points to and you put them into practice, if you look at these disciplines and you put them into practice, God is forced to prove himself faithful to his promise. And the God of peace shall be with you. You have to put into action what you know to be true of God. And his promises to you, over you, for you, even more than you, will be your portion. You see, when you put things into practice, the frailty of your flesh, which drives you to become upset when things are not as they should be, or when the storm hits you, will be shattered. Because you'll no longer see yourself in the frailty of your human condition, but you'll see yourself in the power of God's peace. This is why Jesus, in the middle of a storm, could be sleep on a boat. He could be sleep on a boat. First off, he wasn't alarmed by the storm. He wasn't alarmed. Because he already knew what was true. God had his back. If you can just remember that, when every storm in your life comes in, God's got my back. Why do, why do storms drive you to do things? Is because you fear loss in the storm. You feel it's going to take something from you and maybe even your life. This is, what, this is what storm does. Storm brings fear, and fear is connected to some sense of loss. But when you understand and you frame your thought life by that which is true, if God is life and it's his life that is in me, there's no storm that can take it from me. When we begin to look at what God declares versus what crisis we may be coming in or out of, it changes our perspective about the impact that that thing is going to have, which is why you can be at peace. The second truth that you recognize, that Jesus recognized, was not only this storm really can't do nothing to me, it's making a whole lot of noise and a whole lot of bravado, but it really can't do anything to me, is, is that if I wake up, the storm's over. What, what, they, they came and they woke up Jesus, and what did Jesus do? You see, the worst thing the storm could do is wake you up. Oh, you, you done got me out of my slumber. Well, um, I'm sleepy, so I'm getting ready to quiet you down so I can go lay back down. You disrupting my peace. How many of you ever heard your mother say that? You disrupted my peace. And what happened? You went away. 
Every now and again, you need to tell the storms in your life, you are disrupting my peace. It is time for you to go away. Sounds crazy. What does the Bible say? If you say to this power, get the hence, it has to obey you. What did, what did Jesus tell the devil? Okay, I've toiled with you long enough. Get to stepping. Get to stepping. And what did he do? He left. He left. The storms in your life can only remain as long as you allow them to. That's how much peace you have. They can only stay as long as you allow them to stay. That's, that's it. That's the extent of their power. Their power is dependent upon you allowing. If all power, all authority is given over to Jesus, and the life I live now is by the power of Jesus, then all power, all authority has been given over to me. So the only thing preventing trouble in my life from ceasing is me. The enemy's going to come. He's going to do what he's supposed to do. But every time he approaches, he approaches in a deficit because he does not have authority over your life. He doesn't even have power over your life. He has power, but he has no power over your life. You got to understand, God has equipped you to deal with the devil. He's equipped you. The enemy gets the advantage when you don't function or align your thought life with what God's word declares. Begin to speak over your condition in the authority that God has given you. The Bible declares, and these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and not maybe, they shall recover. If God's word is true, validated and authentic on itself, the stumbling block is you. It's me. Double-mindedness. I know it says that, but. I know I'm supposed to love them, but. You, you ever tell God, but you don't know what he or she did. Well, what's true is you don't then know who God is because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Matter of fact, when they was doing whatever it was they did, he was right there looking at it. He knows exactly what they did, but he doesn't change how to deal with it. The power... To live free in this life 
to live in peace in this life is not connected to things. It's not connected to possessions. It's not connected to people. It's connected to your thought life. Your thoughts will lead you into a life of peace when you frame them, discipline them according to God's instruction, realizing who you are in him and who he is in you. Then you can deal with difficult people without being difficult. Hallelujah. 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 We're looking for some external source, some external thing, and God said, I've already sown the seed of peace in you. I've already planted it in you. As a matter of fact, I've already put in you everything you need to live a victorious life. I've already placed in you everything that you need to live in great success. I've already placed in you. What did he say? I have hidden my word in you so that in times of need, you can draw from it. How amazing is the God that we serve? All this time, your anger, your frustration, your fear, your doubt has been connected to things, situations, people, while at the very same time, your deliverance has always been right there in you. Stop letting your thoughts betray you. Stop giving power over to your enemy. Stand in the authority and be free. Live free. Think free. Don't let your thoughts be controlled by the thinking of the world. Let your thoughts be controlled by the thinking of God. Let's celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.